the smallest percentage of really good mentorship is teaching you medicine and surgery. The greater percentage of great mentorship is teaching you how to be a great veterinarian and teaching you how to be a great communicator, how to be a good team leader. Welcome to the Sooner Vet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet. Now what? I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. Today on the podcast, I am joined by the Director of Clinical Development at MVP, Dr. Chris Blevins. Chris has a passion for mentorship that was spurred on by his experiences as a young veterinarian. As a result, he has sought ways of inspiring, encouraging, and challenging the next generation, which led him to his current role with Mission Veterinary Partners. In today's episode, Chris and I talk about the job search and how to identify both the red flags and the green flags of mentors, and the questions you can ask as a new grad to help you land your first job. We had an absolute blast recording this episode for you, so let's jump right into it. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of So You Are a Vet. Now what? I am so excited to welcome Dr. Chris Blevins with us here today. So Chris, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on. I love what you're doing. Thank you. And this is going to be such a fun episode, you guys. Like we were chatting before we hit record and we're just like, we're on the same brainwave. This is going to be great. (laughs) So today, of course, we're talking about mentorship as we always do, but specifically looking at those red and green flags for you guys when you are going to look for a mentor in your first practice. What are the red flags? What are the green flags? But before we can dive into that, we have to answer the question and kind of open the can of worms of what is mentorship? So Chris, as we were talking about, it's really hard to actually like specifically define mentorship because it's going to be different on a case-by-case basis. But in general, like why is mentorship so important? Well, you know, it, you're right. Putting a definition on it, a specific definition that applies to everyone is tough. But, you know, to me, and I think to most people that have been in mentorship and been around it for a little while. The reason why it's so important is because the first year of practice is arguably going to be your most challenging year. And it will certainly set the tone for the rest of your practice career. And so that first experience that you have with, you know, the basic things, the little things, client communication, learning how to delegate, learning how to manage your time, working with your team, If you don't learn those things well and have some guidance in sort of building your basic skills as a practitioner, you're going to struggle. We can all go to people that have been in practice for 10 years, 15 years that did not have any mentorship, and they still struggle with some of the things that a new graduate struggles with, little things. So that's why it's it's just such an all important year, your first year. This is a big decision when you sit down to decide where you're going to spend that all important year and mentorship and the right kind of mentorship certainly should be the biggest factor in that decision. Yeah. And we all know friends or colleagues that we graduated with and they 
left their first job in the first year, most likely due to a lack of mentorship. That is the number one reason that new grads leave their first job. And from a uh, like a practice manager standpoint, that is like money down the drain when you lose yeah. a new grad in that first year. Because I think it takes like, what, is it 13 to 18 months to really like earn back what you spent on a new grad or something along those lines. Yeah. And then there's also just the confidence knock of like, I, again, I have friends that left their first job in that first year. And as a result, they never really found good mentorship or they didn't know what to look for in good mentorship. So then they leave their second job and then their third job. And now they're questioning whether they even want to be in the profession anymore. So that is honestly, again, like why mentorship is so, so important. One, so you can stay at the same practice for at least the first year. Two, so that you're happy as a veterinarian. And three, just so that you can have a lasting career. Like you didn't just spend eight years of your life learning to become a veterinarian just to leave. Like that breaks my heart when that happens. So hopefully we can nail down some good questions that you can ask of your mentors and for you guys, even as mentees, to learn what you need to be thinking about so that you can have a lasting career in this profession. So that first year is super important. Mentorship is super important. But how do we actually find a good mentor? Like if I'm going back in time, I've just graduated vet school, I'm sitting down and interviewing with these practices. Honestly, I didn't even know truly what to ask when I was interviewing. It's like, cool, do you offer mentorship? Yes, no. But as we know, that is not enough of a question. So Chris, what would you recommend for new grads? Like, What are some basic questions that they should be asking of their potential employer? You know, mentorship has become a buzzword in the industry somewhat. It's great that almost everyone that's looking to hire a veterinarian is talking about mentorship. I guess the questions that you want to ask is to help you figure out whether or not a potential employer is using the word mentorship as a buzz term to catch your attention, or is it something that they actually take very seriously? They put a lot of thought into, they put a lot of work into because I can tell you, this is not easy. Mentorship is not easy. It's not something you, you don't just ask someone in your hospital, hey, would you mind being a mentor for the next year? And they say, sure. And everything just goes perfectly. I mean, there has to be a lot of thought and design put in on the front end to offer really effective, structured mentorship. So, you know, my best advice to a, a graduating veterinarian getting ready to come out of school, the first thing you need to do is look within. You need to sit down and do some self-reflection and think about what do you need as an individual from a mentorship program or a mentor that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Because as we all know, if I ask someone, what is love? If I ask someone, what is happiness? What is whatever? Everybody's going to give a different definition of that. So you really need to think about what does mentorship mean to me? What do I need from a mentor? And what does that look like? And that takes some time and it takes some effort. You might want to sit down and do a little reading, listen to a few podcasts, you know, dive into the thought process of going through this discovery. So you know what you're looking for. You need to know what you're looking for. So that's the first thing I would say to do is you really need to think about. And let me give you an example. Some people might say, I have an interest in surgery, but I'm terrified. And I didn't get to do a lot of surgery as a veterinary student. And so I would love to go somewhere where I have a confident surgical mentor that can really kind of help me through those early times of getting past some of the fears that I have or whatever. Well, if you go to a hospital and they say, well, this is our clinical mentor in this hospital and they don't do any surgery, 
you know, you need to think about that, right? So you need to just think about these things on the front end. What do I need? And I can also tell you before we go any further that mentorship is probably the smallest percentage of really good mentorship is teaching you medicine and surgery. The greater percentage of great mentorship is teaching you how to be a great veterinarian and teaching you how to be a great communicator, how to be a good team leader, how to be a, a pillar of the community. Like those things are the, that's the bigger part of mentorship. So and we can talk more about that later, but there's so much to cover on this topic. It's ridiculous. So let's talk about a few specific questions, right? Okay. Yes. Let's go back to that. <laughs> The first question that I would ask some a potential employer is, how did you select your clinical mentor? How did that come to pass? I'm looking for them to give me some tangible answers, something that is actually meaningful, not just, well, Dr. Smith works here. She's been here the longest, so she's our mentor. Well, that doesn't really mean anything. I would like to know that Dr. Smith maybe came forward and said, I'm really interested in being a mentor. I think this is very important. I had great mentorship when I got out of veterinary school and I want to pay that forward. Or I had terrible mentorship and I never want to see that happen to someone else. So I'm very passionate about it. And these are the things that I would like to offer a mentee. You know, those are the things that I'm listening for real tangible things to help me understand how you select your mentor. So that's the first question. Do you want me to go any deeper into that or do you want me to go on to the others? Let's go into the next question and then we can kind of suss out some green and red flag answers. Yeah. So there's a few, right? Second question I would ask would be, what is the structure of your mentorship program? How is it set up? Now, if you get long, slow blinks and a dull stare, that would worry me a little bit. I would want somebody. Yeah. (laughs) I would want somebody to tell me that's a great question. This is how we have our mentorship set up and structured. We have You know, it may be a situation where they have three mentors in the hospital and you do a rotating sort of every three months, you might rotate over to a different mentor or something like that. And during those times, you meet with your mentor once a week offsite for one hour to discuss your progress. You set up smart goals. You do, you know, like I want to hear things that are structured and tangible and real and thought out and not just what do you mean by structure? You know, that would scare me to death. And then a third big question I would think would be, um, how is there any accountability built into your mentorship program? And accountability just meaning that sometimes a mentor-mentee relationship might not be perfect. And this may be, and 99% of the times I can just tell you, it's communication. It's communication styles. You know, it's a hard charging type A personality, mentoring you know, maybe a a little bit more of a a timid communicator or somebody that just kind of is a people pleaser and they can't handle some of that hammering feedback that they might get from a type A personality. So things like that. So if if things go badly and our mentor-mentee relationship isn't necessarily jiving, what do we do? How are we held accountable? I'm hoping that I don't hear somebody say, well, somebody's just going to look at you and tell you to suck it up because that's not a great solution to anything, right? No. You know, from an accountability standpoint, does the medical director get involved? Is the practice manager involved? Do we meet with them on a regular basis to make sure that everyone's carrying out their responsibilities like they should be? Do they have a mentorship agreement? Yeah. <laughs> Something what like is that. Your, what does your accountability system look like? What are the checks and balances to make sure? Like if we're supposed to meet every Tuesday at 9 a.m. at the local coffee shop for our mentor discussion and you walk in at 9.30 every Tuesday, who do I go to to talk about that? Yeah. How is your mentor selected? How is your mentorship program structured? And how do you have any kind of built-in accountability to make sure that the mentorship is carried out 
as it was advertised on the front end. Are you a new or recent veterinary graduate? If so, listen up, my course, So Your Vet, Now What? has been put together specifically for you. We focus on the non-clinical skills, don't tune out. This is not as dull as it sounds, I promise you. In fact, almost every career problem that people face are due to not having well-developed non-clinical skills. The skills that I'm talking about are things like client communication, so you have great relationships with clients. Emotional intelligence, so you've got great relationships with your teammates. Effective negotiation skills, so you can get paid what you are worth. Management of imposter syndrome and how to build formidable resilience. They're not just skills, they are prerequisites vital for success in financial and emotional well-being. This course serves as an essential stepping stone to your success. So let's take the leap together. I will be your mentor as we go through 12 modules helping you transition from being a student to being a fully rounded professional. Head to www.drdavenickel.com forward slash S-Y-A-V class to learn more. Now back to the show. Yeah. Oh goodness. I wish I like, honestly, I wish someone had told me those three questions when yeah. I first graduated because I had some idea because I was like, okay, define mentorship for me. <laughs> like, tell me what, what it is. And to be honest, like in my own experience, my mentor didn't have like a mentorship program. He mm -hmm. was the practice owner. He had, that was the other thing is like, I said, have you mentored other vets? They're like, yes. Honestly, if you're able to then ask those veterinarians Absolutely. how the mentorship was, that's beneficial. If those veterinarians are still in the practice, that's also a really good green flag. Granted, in some cases, like in the conversation I had with my mentor, it was the whole thing of like, okay, my goal is to be here for three years. And one thing that really stuck out to me was um, he said, regardless of where you go, whether you stay at this practice or you leave after three years, I want to know that you are a confident and competent veterinarian. And I was yeah. like, Wow. There we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> that was huge. That was huge. And that was kind of what spurred me on to want to become a, a mentor in my own practice. And through like all of the things I've been learning, I actually developed like an eight-month structure for mentorship within my practice. Mm -hmm. I have yet to really put it like into use. Uh, we need a new grad to come in. But these are all things that, again, now that I've been through it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have asked so many different things. Yeah. Not that it would have steered me away from my practice. Like I still made the right choice in my specific case. But the things that I'm now able to, again, like pass on to other new grads when they are looking for jobs. So different, so different than what I would have offered to them a couple of years ago. So I love these questions. And I love how like, again, these are some really good examples of some red flags and some green flags also. So I guess looking at the the first question of how do you choose that clinical mentor? Yes, they, they want to know that that person has some investment in what they are doing. And then also, like you said, asking that question of almost in a way of like, what's their style of mentorship? What do they define it as? And can I talk to them about this? Because like you said, if you're someone who's just graduated and you need the, like hand-holding through surgeries, but your clinical mentor either doesn't do surgery or they will be in consults during your time of surgery right. and you're like, no, no, I need you in the surgical suite. Like, I need you. <laughs> then again, there's going to be a mismatch. And it's not that that's a major red flag. But 
another like a green flag would be, are they willing to sit down and say, well, if that is what you need, let's develop a, a process that that works. So maybe it's the first right. three months I'm in the surgical suite. And then from there, I'm in the building so that you can grab me type of thing. So again, it's not like these are hard and fast rules of like, that's a red flag. That's a green flag. It's these are things that will sp- spark a conversation with your potential employer to say, all right, this is the idea I had in my head. This is the idea you had in your head. Where's the dissonance there? And how do we move forward so that we can develop this mentorship agreement? Which for people who don't know, what is a mentorship agreement? Well, you know, I feel like in asking those questions, when you say, you know, and we'll go into structure and accountability as well, but I do feel like if you have a great mentorship program in place and you have some pretty strong parameters sort of set forth like this is how we do things this is what our meeting cadence looks like this is how we go about goal setting and tracking your goal setting this is how we go about i mean all the way through there should be some sort of documented sort of plan there to say this is how we lay all this out if there's not a documented plan there maybe they have something on their practice website that says look this is how we go about you know this is how we handle mentorship and you should be able to go to that but you should be able to see some sort of overall i guess written or i mean it could be it, it might be a, a video link on their website or whatever this is what mentorship means to us as an organization as a practice this is how we go about carrying that out and these are the things that you should expect at the end of your first year And a mentorship agreement, obviously, it can look like, I mean, there's like a million different versions of them. Yes. But to me, that's what that looks like. And I and I would encourage any fourth year student, third year student, even now it's crazy how far back into your training, you're starting to interview, you know, the interview process and you're interviewing. Let me tell you something. When you go out, you're interviewing these hospitals just as much as they're interviewing you. Don't forget that. Don't lose sight of that because you're going to need to know all the information to make this all important decision. But I would say that sometimes when you go interview at a hospital for a position that's open, you might be interviewing with the practice owner. You might have the practice, the hospital manager there, whatever. But a lot of times the mentor in that hospital is not the practice owner. So you might say, hey, would it be okay after we have this initial interview, if you guys are okay with it, I would love to go have lunch with your clinical mentor to get to know that person a little bit better and to maybe to get an idea how we click, get some, ask them a few questions about the program and what they love about it and what they like to change about it, whatever. Just kind of see how you hit it off with the mentor that's there or mentors, if that was the case. No, I think those are fantastic. And and you mentioned the structure and accountability. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Because yes, you can have like an outline of this is what we're going to do. But like you said, in the very, very beginning, like basically mentorship is driven by the mentee. So how do you keep yourself accountable and also your potential mentor accountable? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a pretty good article in JABMA in October of 2022. And that article basically stated that the title of the article, if you ever want to go check it out, it's called Can Mentorship Improve the Transition from Veterinary School to Clinical Practice? Okay, October of 2022, JABMA. And in that article, they stated very clearly that the responsibility of guiding the mentorship experience throughout this and at Mission Veterinary Partners, our mentorship program is dedicated and structured for one year. But the main responsibility falls on the mentee. It falls on the new graduate to be able to go to the mentor and say, these are the things that I need as a mentee. You know, these are my interests. These are the things that scare me to death. These are the things that I'm really excited about. These are the things that I want to learn more about. 
So your mentor is sort of customizing and structuring the mentorship experience based on what you need. If you don't do that, you can't complain about the mentorship that you get because you're not giving any feedback. You're not giving any input. So just know that, you know, that falls on the mentee to make sure that you're getting what you need. Yeah. And so from a structure standpoint, I would want to see that a mentorship program has some sort of set parameters that are just sort of non-negotiable, right? So one of the most important part, and this is actually discussed in that JAVM article is, is reflection. You know, reflection is a big, big part of mentorship, sitting down and talking about, okay, what did we set out to do? How have we gone about getting that done? What has worked? What have we accomplished? And what do we need to do next? That's just reflecting. We really encourage our mentors and mentees to meet offsite away from the hospital once a week for an hour to get away from all the distractions that you know good and well. (laughs) When you sit out in a veterinary hospital behind a closed door to have a very important meeting, that door is going to be open 15 times (laughs) before you get through a one hour discussion because somebody's on the phone. It's really important, blah, 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 whatever. So we encourage them to go off site to have these meetings. And that's basically to sit down and reflect on, let's talk about how we did this week. Let's talk about what we're going to try to do next week. And then on a monthly basis, you know, what smart goals did we set for this month? What did we set out to accomplish? Did we make it? And what do we need to do going forward in the next month? If we did, great, let's check that box and move on. If not, what do we need to do differently to make sure we get there this following month? How am I feeling about my overall abilities as a practitioner, what is still stirring up negative emotion in me every time I see it walk into the hospital? How am I interacting and leading my team? Am I learning to delegate better so I don't get bogged down in these things that are holding me in the hospital till 8.30 or nine o'clock at night when everybody else leaves at six? You know, those are the things that just grind on people. And so having that time to reflect offsite and go through smart goal setting and, and looking at how you're performing is a, it's a big, big part of mentorship. So that would be a part of a structure. Another part of that would be, are we including other members of the hospital in the mentorship effort? So to me, to say that one person in the hospital is the clinical mentor and they handle all of it and no one else is involved, that's a bad... That's a red flag. That, that's a, a bad structure. Everyone needs to be involved. The CSRs need to be involved, making sure that they're scheduling a new graduate appropriately based on what they feel comfortable seeing. You know, how are you going to be onboarded? Are you going to be seeing any appointments the first week? Or are you just going to be kind of moving around the hospital, getting familiar with the flow of things and how does the equipment work and what technicians are, you know, are responsible for and what's their skill set and all those things. So And then from there, do you move into seeing only wellness appointments for a couple of weeks? And are you on one hour appointment blocks or 40 minute blocks or whatever? Like the structure of all that really plays a big part in how what your experience is like when you first go into the hospital. So getting everyone involved sometimes, you know, like we we alluded to earlier, sometimes a certain clinical mentor might not be a surgeon doesn't mean they're not a great mentor. They're just not, maybe there's not a surgeon. So how do they involve other doctors in the hospital that might not be necessarily designated as mentors, but they're phenomenal surgeons and they're phenomenal surgical instructors, if you will. And how do they get them involved to make sure that you can reach your goals that you've set out? So looking at just the overall structure of how things work in there. And is every member of that hospital aware that they have a mentorship program? If they're not, that's a red flag. You know, these little landmarks and sort of 
goals that you set along the way should be celebrated by everyone in the hospital. And everyone needs to learn that, that they're playing mm-hmm. a part in that. Lead CSRs, technicians, other doctors in the hospital, the hospital manager, the clinical mentor, everyone plays a part in that. Yep. It's that mindset of mentorship. And Absolutely. Yep. Like as you're saying, it's one of those cool things that ends up happening. It's like a knock-on effect that yes, you're bringing in this new grad. There's the mentee and everyone's like honestly responsible like a community to raise up that mentee within your practice. But the knock-on effect is that within your practice, you see people changing their outlook on things. They're like, oh, how do I not only look out for this new grad, but how do I look out for my team members? How do I help them figure out what they're excited about and yeah. excited to continue to learn? So again, it's not just the mentee that benefits, like everybody else benefits from having this mindset of mentorship. So yeah, I'd call it a culture of mentorship, really. There, yes. if, there, if there's a culture of mentorship in the hospital and everyone in there has a growth mindset and everybody's just trying to get better and better every day, you can't ask for a happier place to go to work every day. If you don't have that and the people that are, you know, there's two people in the hospital that are trying to do great things and no one else is involved in those great things, run, don't walk, right? Run, don't walk <laughs> the other way. Big old red flag, red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, that's probably like the biggest one there. So again, like getting to be on the floor um, would be awesome, not just interviewing with direct people, but... right. Goodness, I know we could keep on talking for hours. And I probably say that about most of our guests that we have. So, (laughs) um, but it's true. It's true. There's so much to talk about with mentorship. But I feel like we have covered a lot of ground, even just with the basics. So hopefully with these new grads or these third and fourth year vets, like like you mentioned, they're signing contracts in their third year of vet school, which yeah. is blowing my mind. But hopefully this has provided some good questions for them to ask. It's helped to abate some fears that I know a lot of them have. Because again, they hear those horror stories of five people in the upper class that left the profession in their first year. So hopefully it helps to abate some fears, grow some confidence in the questions that they do ask, but also for those potential mentors that are listening for to know what to do to really bulk out their mentorship program, how to be an awesome mentor. It goes both ways. So I do want to say, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your extreme wealth of information. This is honestly, it just gets me so excited talking about mentorship and having other people that are so excited about it because like this profession, yes, we're going through a rocky time with everything, but there's so much good and so many amazing things that can come out of it, including a new, exciting and awesome generation of vets. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, mentorship is one of those things that if we if we get this right, we will continue to have a sort of a working body of advertisement to young people to come into veterinary medicine because we're doing this the right way. We're getting people onboarded the right way. They get their career started just like a rocket and things continue to go well. So happy to be here and uh, I love the work that you're doing. I'd love to come back for a part two if you ever need it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think this is not one that we can leave as a part one. So (laughs) we will have to have you back soon. But with that, I'll say you guys, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What?, or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care.